Hello, everyone. I'm Eric D'Souza, and welcome to Crime Writers of Canada's podcast, where we discuss all things crime fiction. Joining me today is our guest, Charlotte Morganti, and we'll be discussing her new novel, The Endgame, along with techniques that she's learned for short story writing and seeing if they can be incorporated into longer works. Charlotte will also discuss some tips that she has learned over time to help self-published authors. Hi, Charlotte. How are you today? Hi, Eric. I'm fine. Thanks for inviting me on the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. So Charlotte is a retired lawyer and active member of Canada West Chapter of Sisters in Crime and Crime Writers of Canada. She's mostly known for her witty, funny, and occasionally dark short stories, including the Persinian Worthing Mysteries. Her short stories have appeared in many anthologies and magazines, and congratulations, you've uh, written and published your first novel. So let's start with Endgame, uh, which is the first of the D.S. Gabrielli mystery series. Um, as he says it, I call me Gabe. As we mentioned, uh, the world knows you as a short story writer. So why or what inspired you to write a novel? You know, actually, it, it um, was the other way around. I, I was writing novels <laughs> and or manuscript manuscripts. Let's not call them novels yet. You know, so I had... Uh, a few novels in the drawer and um and I thought I was convinced that I couldn't write short stories at all I like you know I find them or I did find them very very difficult to write because I tend to meander and you know short stories are all about getting things concise and getting to the point and so then I started fooling around with a cozy form of short mystery and discovered the character Persimmon Worthing, who, you know, she's a woman of a certain age and she knows everything about everybody in a small town, as is usually the case in, in small towns. And she uh, was is just so much fun. She has a bunch of wacky neighbors and friends and, you know, nothing, uh, you know, yes, there are murders in the stories, but they're... They're not gory, they're not violent, and uh, the solving of them is sometimes chaotic. And so I found that type of story uh, was easier for me to write. And um, that's how they came about. I've been, you know, writing persimmon stories now for a, a couple years and having a good time. Um. I think I'm you a few years back in some ways because some people have asked me recently to write short stories and I've been like, I can't do that. I, I've read your work. I've read other short story works and anthologies that Crime Writers Canada put out and I admire the skill of it. Um, and I just, I, I know maybe if I dug really hard, I can find it, but the way that you keep things so tight that you're able to tell a, a mystery, in your case, even be funny in 3000 words or less, uh, it's, it's, it's a skill. Um, what I noticed, at least reading the beginning of this novel, that you kept a lot of those skills uh, alive because I, I felt a lot of the aspects of keeping your work very tight um, in the beginning of Endgame. Do you feel that way too? Um, 
Yes. I mean, you know, the first, certainly the first few chapters of that book are edited to death. (laughs) Right. You know, like, you know, when you are trying to do submissions and queries and so on, everybody wants to see the first 5,000 words. So um, I think most authors, uh, the first 5,000 words are pretty tight. And uh, then as I wrote the rest of it, I, it did tend to draw itself out and become like, you know, threatening to become war and peace. And um, so I had to sit myself down and, and hack away at it and edit it down. So, And I was conscious of the fact that, you know, um, mysteries or detective stories are usually under a hundred thousand words. Maybe the sweet spot is about 85,000. And so I tried to, hit that mark i think i went over it by you know a couple thousand words but that um keeping that in my mind about the need to you know keep it to a certain length helped me kill a few darlings and um you know say to myself yeah okay you don't need this subplot you can move it out to another book you know stop following that glittering ball that you see out there in the sky <laughs> I find it as a reader uh, uh, important to do that. Um, as a, a reader, again, I often find some books are just too long, um, mm-hmm. and it's like, why? Why did you go so long? Uh, and again, it's a skill that I think a lot of short story writers have—the ability to kill the darlings, keep it tight. So I'm enjoying it so far, and I'll, I'll see <laughs> as I keep reading how how it goes. But the first six chapters are just bang, bang, bang. But at the same time, you infuse a lot of. I don't know if mystery or foreshadowing or clues is the right word. There's a lot of like Gabe has a black eye. Why does he have a black eye? <laughs> Gabe has a, a, a bum knee. Uh, so did you consciously incorporate a lot of these sort of mini mysteries? Yes, I did. I, um, I wanted to put enough in that would keep the reader interested in finding out those little you know, well, what's the story behind that black eye? And uh, eventually, you know, the reader finds out it, it is in there, but <laughs> but not, you know, it's not right at the beginning. And, you know, the interesting thing, I, I bet you found it too, Eric, is that when you, when you first start writing and you plant those kinds of little uh, tidbits or, you know, for the reader to wonder about, the temptation, or my temptation anyway, is to really quickly tell them the end of the mystery. You know, like, you know, plant it, have the black eye, and then within two pages, have somebody say, ask him about it, and he confesses. And <laughs> it's really difficult, don't you think, to um, sp- spread that out and and not to forget that you have to deal with it. Uh, yeah, I, I also, I mean, there's an unwritten rule that some people follow and some do not, that not do not include backstory um, for the first three, four, five chapters. That's uh, right. And I've read a few books recently where it's right in the first chapter. Uh, I appreciated it as a reader, these little tidbits that you laid out and, and have the anticipation mm-hmm. that you will eventually tell me what happened there. But I appreciate the fact that the pace was the pace of a short story. It just kept moving forward. Uh, and didn't go backwards. 
Oh, great. That's great. Nice to hear. <laughs> um, changing paths a little bit. Uh, I was on your website, charlottemorganti.com, and the tagline is where little town sleuths hang out. Right. Um, and I know it's sort of a theme that you've enjoyed. Um, I wouldn't call this a cozy. I don't think Endgame no. would be considered a cozy by any means, but you kept the cozy aspect of the small town. This story takes place in Chickamoose, BC, which uh, I live in BC also. And it's one of those little towns where like I had a feeling I've been to it before, but I still had to look it up on a map to be sure. Yeah. Why did you pick this town and um, in particular, and why do you like small towns? Um, well, I was born and raised in a small town. So, you know, when I lived there, I'm not sure I liked it. <laughs> but there are aspects of small towns that, uh, for me, uh, lend themselves to some great story building because, it, you know, everybody knows everybody's business. Uh, and you think you can't keep a secret there, but remarkably, there are secrets that are very, very well hidden. There's always a, a few people who run the town or, you know, are the the big man on campus kind of thing. And there are usually quirky, quirky characters and and bizarre things that happen in small towns. I'm sure they all happen in cities, but we don't unless you live in the neighborhood where it's going on, you don't often hear about them, right? And so I wanted that, I wanted that sort of tight, close-knit community where, you know, anything that happens matters, you know, to one side or the, or the other. And in this case, it's the, you know, the debate over whether the town should, you know, welcome mining back in as a business or whether it should, you know, keep out the uh, environmental threats and so on. As far as Chequemus is concerned, I'd originally called it, it's an imaginary town that, you know, if you travel to Rossland, you might recognize parts of Rossland. But I didn't want to use a real town because I didn't want to offend anybody by some offhand comment <laughs> about the town. So, and the other great thing about making, you know, creating a town in your head is that you can put the streets anywhere you want. You don't have to worry about whether or not, you know, you were on the corner of Davy and Robson or Davy and Burrard and was that building really there, right? I I decided, well, I would just make my own town where, you know, I could play with the geography. There, There is a Chequemus River in BC and when I I was looking at the map and I saw that name and I thought, boy, that is so British Columbia. So that's why I picked the name and then I moved the town to the interior of British Columbia. You just solved the mystery for me because I, I looked it up. <laughs> yeah, I, I found Chequemus River. I was yeah. like, okay, I've been there. And then, yeah. yes, you're right because it does feel like it's more in the interior yeah. um, when you describe the town. So mystery yeah. solved. Thank you very much. <laughs> um as we were talking, though, um, you were telling me that in this story, uh, you called it the framework of the stranger comes to town. So Gabe's not from that town, so he doesn't right. know all the town's secrets. So was that sort of, uh, um, I don't want to use the word trope, but is that sort of the storyline you were playing with? Yeah, 
I yes, I like that stranger comes to town frame. You know, uh, like Lee Child used it all the time in Jack Reacher. Not that this book is anything like the Jack Reacher books, but it's um, it's fun to use it because you can portray the town. Uh, or the setting from the stranger's eyes, it helps a lot when uh, you're, for me, when I'm trying to describe a place or the relationships in town. So I don't have to worry about one character telling another character something they already know, right? It's always somebody is informing the main character or giving them a little insight into um, the lay of the land. I guess, you know, for for this series, I can only use this stranger comes to town once for him because <laughs> he's there now. But um, it, it was, for me, it was a, a good way to introduce the character to, to the town, especially when, you know, he comes from Alberta, so he's used to wide open spaces. And I punked him in the middle of a bunch of mountains, and you know he's uh, he's got a, a touch of claustrophobia, so he he does have a difficult time being in a place where he can't see the horizon. Yeah, that was another little tidbit I think you put in chapter two: the claustrophobia. Just yeah. hinted at it, and then you're, as a reader, you're like, "Oh, that's going to come into play later on." <laughs> so there was plenty of that, uh, which I really enjoyed. Um, Let's, again, change subjects a little bit. Um, I also know that you've uh, self-published this work and uh, you've self-published previous work too. Uh, it's a hard job. I self-published myself. Um, do you have any tips to those out there who are also considering self-publishing? I, I learned a lot, you know, it, it, and I don't, I don't think I know it all. Uh, by by any stretch of the imagination, I think one of the best tips is to find your find some people who who you trust, who have done it themselves, who can who are willing to sit there and and talk to you about it and say no, you know you have to do this first and you need to think about this ahead. Without you know without groups like Crime Writers of Canada and, and Sisters in Crime, I don't think I would have known where where to even start. Okay, you can take some very expensive courses that would teach you, or you can, you know, hire indie presses. But, uh, you know, it's very helpful if you belong to groups like you and I do with, with Crime Writers of Canada, because you can reach out to those people. And I I suppose the, uh, you know, Amazon, KDP, they've got great um, articles and and got video guides and so on that that help a lot. I think the other tip is to build up an audience for your work before you put it out there. And that means, you know, for me, it was people said you need at least six months and they were probably right. You know, six months of posting on Facebook and Instagram and trying to come up with something interesting to say every day <laughs> is a bit of a challenge. But eventually, you know, people start responding to you and you do develop a community of um, interested people who might become your readers you know, going forward. Do you find your readers necessarily come from small towns or does it matter to them? I, I don't No, I don't think so. I think, 
you know, there are definitely there are readers out there who love small town mysteries. And um, but I I wonder if a lot of them are uh, more focused on cozies because cozies are always set in small towns. And and so I don't know. I haven't done any kind of survey at all. I'm just hoping that everybody out there loves small town mysteries set in the mountains of British Columbia. <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I write my mysteries in close to your hometown. Right. <laughs> in Half the Sunshine Bay. Coast. So yes. Yeah. So yeah, BC's filled. I'm sure every province, every uh, state is filled with small towns that we could all relate to. Um, and I, I think right. we there is a mystery to it. Um, and there's a, li- a life heartbeat to a small That's town right. that That's is right. fun as a crime writer to talk about. That's right. Um, it's a hard question, but, uh, you know, often Amazon and other institutions like to sort of pigeonhole us. But you're sort of experimenting, I think, a little bit. Um, some aspects of small town, uh, Gabe is a PI. Um, how would you... I hate to say it, but how would you pigeonhole yourself? How would you call your story? Uh, gee, this one I would call, uh, uh, I would call it a private, (laughs) a private and small town private investigator story. I guess if there was such a genre, uh, most of the rest of the series, you know, he's, he will investigate other mysteries, not necessarily all of them in Chequemus, but uh, as a private investigator or as an interested citizen, let's say, rather than the, you know, so they're not definitely not police procedurals. I want, I want to say that they're more uh, family friends, colleagues type of mysteries. And there's no genre like that either, but you know, a close-knit group of people involved in something mysterious that's going on. It's almost the role of the self-published author to take chances, um, to not do, you know, like traditionally published work is often following a very set, this was successful, let's continue to write. That's right. And publish what's been successful. And self-published authors have the, the freedom to write the story we want to write. And if we want yeah. to put a PI in a small town and yeah. uh, mix different things of a crime mystery, it still makes a crime mystery. And I think it makes it fresh. Um, right. Right. Storytelling I, fresh. Yeah. I think, well, thank you. I think to based on a couple of comments that I've received back from readers, they're say they're, they've said they really got into the dynamics of the town and they wanted to they felt like they knew it and they wanted to spend some more time there so i thought that was that was a success then if if the nature of the other supporting characters in the book can engage readers and make them want to know more about them then i think an author you know you have a hope that the series might have legs yeah um definitely because we're putting a commitment to writing a series um that's right I think you have also another advantage because Gabe is a private investigator. It, it makes right. sense. Like his friend, I'm sorry, I forget his name, Harris? Harris, yeah. Harris is pulling him in. Like, you're right. a PI. I need you to help me. 
So there's, there's plausibility to your story, which is uh, um, enjoyable very much um, as, as a, as a reader. So um, I guess we always have to end every interview with this question. What's next? Are you going to be just focused on this series or are you you still going to give us some short stories? Oh, for sure. I actually, I was just before the call, I was just trying to map out a short story for an anthology that, you know, there's a call for submissions. And so I was trying to map it, map it out. It's going to be, you know, more of the cozy genre than a, you know, a hard boiled or, or even a soft boiled, uh, short story. I, I just, I can't write them. I don't have, you know, I tend to meander when I try to write real crime fiction, shall we say the humorous stuff is easier. So yes, a couple more short stories. I'm going to do a novella, uh, with persimmon worthing and all her friends. And then the second book in the um, Gabrielli series, it's about a third of the way done. So next year it should be out. Well, you and I have worked together before and I, I know uh, you're like me. We sign up for everything and <laughs> and we still try to balance writing. So congratulations on the first Thank book. You. And congratulations Thank you on very much. Thank you very much, Eric. Thank you. And to everyone watching, um, or sorry, I should say listening, (laughs) now that we're doing podcasts, uh, I've had the joy of interviewing Charlotte before, and you can find us on the Crime Rise of Canada YouTube page. But going forward, you're going to see us on our podcast. So thank you very much for everyone listening.